Hello there, audience, and welcome to part two of Cheap Episodes. So get ready to hear more of E.K. Weaver and myself talking about the wonderful webcomic Cheap's Thrills, written by the wonderful S.E. Case. So without further ado, let's get back to it. In terms of the overall narrative, do you like where the story seems to be headed? I don't know about, like, there's some times where I'm like, there's a lot of parts where I'm like, no, <laughs> Jordy, no. <laughs> but that's good writing. I mean, I-, I like that I don't know where it's going. Have you and- seen any of the, like, the fan art or fan sketches that oh, SE Case no. has put up? Oh, I mean, I've, yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of the stuff that, um, that's on the Twitter. I haven't seen, actually haven't seen a ton of fan art, although there's, there's one well, piece. It's, it's, excuse me, not. Oh, go ahead. I, you can't, I can't call it fan art because SCK's drawing it okay. themselves. <laughs> so I mean, I should say rather the extra art that SCK. Oh yeah. Out. Of like, of like the kids and, and like the older characters yes. and such. Yeah. I really like those. Yeah, I was just about to give, uh, I do want to give a shout out to, I was very happy to see these two artists collide, which is, uh, Bruca Jones was commissioned to draw a picture of Jordy and it turned out spectacular. So if you haven't checked out Bruca Jones on, on Twitter, uh, his stuff is also incredible. Well, I definitely will. And, and, you know, there does need to be more fan art. Definitely. Yeah. But- I, after, after my reread, I was like, I got to do fan art of Anna like this <laughs> week. <laughs> She's so great. Well, I'll definitely be looking forward to seeing that. Hell yeah. Yeah, I already know exactly how I want to draw it. I just need to set aside the time. Well, whenever you find the time, the fan art will come to you. (laughs) Uh, But I should say that I do kind of like that we do have an idea of what's going to happen in -hmm. the character's future. We just need to see how they get there. Yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes the fascination is like even if you like flash forward or flash back the the here to their journey is uh is what's really intriguing if i could kind of go to not down a rabbit hole but kind of divert for a second oh sure so, yes what i do for a living i i do my comics for a living uh, via patreon but also one of my main jobs aside from that is manga lettering and i recently had the privilege to do all the lettering and sound effects on a manga series called Jealousy by the artist Scarlet Barico. And the story flashes back and forth between 2016 and 1989. Mm. And you see the characters in 1989 behaving a certain way, like looking and behaving a certain way, reacting to things a certain way. And then you see those same characters in 2016 acting completely differently. And I loved the way that was set up because you're like, okay, how did this impulsive, selfish person become this devoted dad? What what was the journey there? And that gets explored over the course of five volumes. (laughs) If you're interested in BL manga, I do highly recommend it. Content warnings for basically everything, but it is a, it's a beautifully written, dramatic kind of mafia intrigue love story. You know what? I actually think I am going to check that out. Yeah, it's it's dark as hell, but it's beautifully, beautifully written. Well, I am a sucker for dark mafia stories. Like Goodfellas <laughs> is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, oh, nice. But moving on from dark stories to one thing that makes 
cheat thrills and just the like assortment of SE Case's work so wonderful. Which lines or panels or pages have you found to be the most comedic? This isn't a particular line. It is a particular page, but I don't remember the page number. But there's a bit uh, in Cheap Thrills. I want to say it's in chapter four, but it it may be in chapter three, where there's another employee at the tattoo parlor Jordy works at. And, you know, as of course, this is since this is a furry comic, you know, the characters have different animal heads. And this character is a has a possum head. He's a possum guy. And he's working on a taxidermied possum that he found on the side of the road. And there's just this, there's just this great, there's this panel that's framed really well where it's like a kind of a low angle shot of this dead taxidermied possum and you're looking up past the possum face at the possum guy who has the same nose and the same profile and they're talking about how gross it is that he's working on this thing and I, I just that cracked me up it was it, it's not often that you see like meta or fourth wall humor done like it, it was just a, it was a neat scene you know in the comic it just fleshes out that character a little bit but it's also kind of a fun lampshading of the of the furry genre which I that just cracked me up that's the one that I think made me laugh the hardest. And I think like in terms of impact, I, I noticed that the next, the, this is the next question. I loved, I, and once again, like I actually like got a gut punch cry on reread as when uh, Jordy's dad tells him, he's like, okay, well, I accepted this. I've accepted this job working at a, a charity clinic in Kenya and I'm, I'm leaving, you know, I'm packing up the house. And Jordy's life is spiraling down the hole right at that moment or, you know, d- during that time. But he's presenting a good enough face and keeping it together and denying there's anything wrong. And his dad is like, I need to go help people who actually need my help. And like, as he's like going to pack something away and Jordy just barely mumbles, help me. And I was, oh God, that scene just destroys me because <laughs> it's like the one time he says out loud that he actually needs help, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do. It's definitely one of my favorite scenes in overall uh, in over terms of overall impact as well like, honestly just any time when he is like trying to connect to his father as mm-hmm. you know, not just father to son but just a rather person to person is like two people who are experiencing or rather two people who are going through a massive amount of grief and seem to be dealing with it in different ways yeah yeah, I, I also really like the scene where his dad mentions that he's been seeing as a therapist and a psychiatrist. And, you know, a lot of times you expect, oh, OK, well, the younger generation is the one who's going to be more likely to embrace therapy and mental health help. But his dad is the one who's like being very frank and open about it and thinking, saying like, you know, I think you should, too. And Jordy's just like, what? No, no, no. And that's a really that's some really big insight into his character, I think. Just his the way he both tries to de- tries to hide that any anything is wrong. And while he's also just constantly, consistently blaming himself for everything. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's a very, that's, that's some great writing. That's some very, that's some very human shit right there. No, absolutely. And, you know, as the story has continued on within the last three years, Jordy dealing with his, you know, issues of grief and his uh, tendency to self-blame. Mm-hmm. Like, things are continuing to come <laughs> to a head in terms of that. So that character development is very much still ongoing. So definitely, as you continue with your reread, or I guess it'll be a new reading for you, you'll you'll definitely get to see more of that. Oh, awesome. and it's still just as impactful. Yeah, I just I love how so much, like not just Jordy, but how so many 
many of the characters, a lot of their a lot of their circumstances are summed up as just like making not even necessarily making good or bad choices, but just like making whatever choice they have to make to keep things together in really rough circumstances. And sometimes like something that gets you through in the short term can damage you in the long term. But they're like they're all just trying to keep their heads above water. Exactly. And that actually comes like dangerously close to a line that Frank says like much later on in chapter four. So uh, keep an eye out. (laughs) Okay. I still can't stop thinking about that party scene. But I was just going to say that uh, have you you seen the uh, the picture with him and his his fur and his fur coat, right? Yes, I love it. So okay, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this one for you because we were talking about comedic lines earlier, mm. where and he does say that like I've never had he just goes flat and said I've never had a fur coat before, and <laughs> he says feel the luxury. Oh yes. <laughs> I think out of all the the comedic lines of the like the newer pages, that's probably going to be my, one of my one of my top ten. Yeah, and I, I and I again, I kind of like that lampshading bit because I mean he's a I think he's his a Chinese crested dog, which is like a hairless, yeah, mostly hairless species. So mm-hmm. I love that. I've never had a fur coat before. I was like, well, I guess technically you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, keep an eye out for those. And actually, they happen around the same time. So okay, cool. Now, so actually, we were. Just- Talking about well, animal species. So now, do you consider cons- do you consider cheap thrills to be a furry comic? Uh, yeah. I I mean, like it's got animal heads, and to me, I, I like I I am not in the furry community, although like a lot of my friends are. And yeah, to me, I'm just like, oh, it's got animal animal heads, tails or whatever. Sure, it's furry. And to me as an outsider, that's like more of a like a stylistic designation than any sort of genre, I guess. I called it a genre earlier, but I don't I don't know if that really applies, honestly. But yeah, I mean, I think it's I think that's more of like a visual thing to me or just a, a character design choice. Well, when it comes to like web comics specifically, it feels like the Dignation of something as furry or not, it is kind of put in its own genre yeah. field. And like these comics are furry and these are not, even if a comic does include like anthropomorphic characters, it always seems like there's trying to be some sort of like stretch to say this is not furry, but mm. this is. And and yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that all, excuse me, I just want to say that I don't think it's necessarily a, you know, one of the issues or one of the traits of the furry community or furry art is a little bit of, I mean, we're, we're doing an adult podcast today. I'm going to, sexualization. Yeah. So, and I, I feel like for some reason that might be why a lot of people are... Reluctant to, to use the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I, again, again, I'm like kind of on the outside of that world. So if, if you ask me like what's furry, I would say like, oh, if it's like animal people and that's, that would be all it is to me. But yeah, I, I mean, there, I've read furry comics, like genuine, like comics that designate themselves as, as furry comics. I'm like, yeah, if the writing's good, hell yeah. I, I, it does not matter to me, honestly. I, I, I've recommended it to, it's, it's funny. I've recommended it really highly to my local artist friends who are furries con-going, commission-selling furries. And they're like, oh, I've heard of that, but I never checked it out. It seems to be like almost not in that orbit, which I thought was really interesting. Actually, that kind of does bring up a next question. Regardless of, you know, whether someone is is a furry or not, or really likes anthropomorphic characters or not, why do you think people should read Cheap Thrills? 
Well, main reason is it's just excellent. But if there's a larger reason, I think there's a tendency, especially in like smaller and more independent comics and animation, there's a tendency to want clear moral delineations. Like this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. This is the lesson we're supposed to be taking away from this. And I think the pressure to tell a story in that way can really hamper characterization and the quality of writing. And I really like that Cheap Thrills has everyone is flawed. Everyone screws up. Characters will think they're doing the right thing and they're not. You know, they'll not intend to hurt someone in the process of just trying to keep their head above water, but they do. I really appreciate seeing just messy, ambiguous writing like that these days. Actually, this ties into something I was just thinking about, you know, especially also in terms of excuse me, anthropomorphization, we also have shows like, well, Netflix's BoJack Horseman, which also gave oh, yeah. off that air of these characters are not perfect. They're are not specifically clear-cut good guys, bad guys. I mean, there was even a, an episode about that where, like, have you seen BoJack Horseman? I have not. I've been I've been meaning to watch it for a while. And I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I need to store up some emotional reserves before launching into that, I think. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> if you're no, if you're going to I know you definitely seem like someone who is a very who is easily emotionally moved. And, you know, that's definitely not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. This. Yeah, it's good to to have. It's good to feel it's good to feel feelings about art. Yeah, I, I'm in a place. Uh, I'm in a place now where I can handle. Like last year was so rough, but I think I'm in a place now where I can like handle things. I can dive into that kind of art again now that life is slightly less putting me through slightly less of a ringer. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad I am absolutely glad that things have improved for you. <laughs> One last question. All right, which of the main cast would you have hung out with? In high school, we or what about as adults? In high school, like once again, Anna reminds me of so many of my friends when I was between the ages of about sixteen and twenty-two. Just the the weird goth kid, the just everything. She reminds me of like a do- eight to a dozen people <laughs> that I was friends <laughs> with. Yeah, and I, and I'm thinking like I know the the characters in Rigsby are, seem to be a little bit younger than in Cheap Thrills. And I'm thinking specifically of the Cheap Thrills version of Anna, just like, yes, that's this person and this person and this person and this person. I remember sitting with these people and playing Street Fighter and smoking weed in this apartment. (laughs) And like, this is, that's who she reminds me of. So yeah, definitely Anna, maybe a little Beth. I had a couple of friends who were a lot like Jordy. But yeah, Anna really just, God, I had (laughs) so many goth kids. Um, And as adults, gosh. I don't know. Hmm. I have some I have some acquaintances in Austin that I'm not particularly close to who remind me a lot of Eric in both stories. The kind of guy who's in a little over his head but doing his best. But I think I as in terms of as adults, I think I relate more probably to gosh, probably to to Beth's aunt. Alice is is just, you know, so perfectly auntie to me. Yeah. She's again, she's doing her best and she's doing a pretty good job. And so that's going to be like another one for the like favorite supporting minor character bucket. Yeah. I like I really do like that she's like she's taken on raising this troubled teenager, but 
it, she hasn't, she's like, instead of going like, well, I'm giving everything up to raise this kid. She's like, oh, you're going to help me out with my art and I'll help you out with your stuff. Like she's, she's treating, she's treating Beth with a certain degree of respect and helping with that self-actualization, even while like raising her. Yes, that's also like very prominent, I believe. And actually the final bit of a chapter three, you know, where like she has the the final line is that I hope you're making the right decision. Oh, yeah. When Anna decides or when Beth decides not to go away to college. Yeah. Whoo, boy. Yeah, that scene was that was another scene that that I was like, oh, yeah, I've I've lived through my own version of that and new friends who went through that. Yeah. And she also has, in my opinion, one of the probably one of the funnier bits from chapter one which is when bethany's mother comes to their house and bethany's mother's asking oh, what are you wearing for church today and oh, yeah. <laughs> bethany's like oh we don't usually go to and, and no, we like, go. no we're going to god's house <laughs> yeah we're going to mass we go every sunday yeah <laughs> Yeah, that 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 like that exchange right there just shows so much about that relationship, like between the three of them. Yeah, like to me, and and yes, and the relationship, and just like in terms of how the narrative was going to be handled, just that those quick spurts yeah. of comedy are just done so perfectly. That's just yeah, that's comedic, but also like really good character writing at the same time. Which is absolutely another reason why you know people should read. People Chief should Thrones, read it definitely. Yes. So audience, if you're looking for a great webcomic with amazing characterization, anthropomorphization, amazing drama, you know, something that's going to touch you and make you touch your heart, rather, <laughs> and make you laugh, read Cheap Thrills. And, and you know what? You should also read The Epic Adventures of TJ and the Mall. Oh, well, thank you. And Shot and Chaser. I need to catch up on that myself. I'm plugging. I'm chugging away at that. I've I've got a I've got a little hiatus in between lettering jobs, so I'm trying to get as many pages that done as I can. No, you're doing great, Mrs. Weaver. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. You're very welcome, and I'm I assure you the compliments are not just because you're on the po- the podcast tonight. I really do <laughs> honestly enjoy your work. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm, I'll do my best. Oh, wonderful! Again, thank you for coming on tonight, and you'll know, tell Mr. Berger I said hello. I will. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can find E.K. Weaver at Big Big Truck on Twitter. And you can find S.E. Case at East Street Drug. And that's going to be East with two E's. You know, but the the, dr- the street drug part is, you know, spelled the usual way. <laughs> And we've got links to E.K. Weaver's and S.E. Case's works in the show notes. So, again, thank you so much for listening to this episode today. And we will be back on April 5th with another episode and another guest. So, get ready for that. That one's going to be a doozy. Maybe even a little bit crazy. So, yeah, tune in on April 5th. And as always, you can find Webcomic Corner at Webcomic C on Twitter. And as always, thank you for being in my corner. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>